Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. Our show in New England is an extension of a program that I did for many years in Hawaii. Today, we reach back into the vault, and I've got a special one for you. Open your heart. Hear what the Lord has to say to you today. Dr. Elaine Ng is a graduate of Princeton University, and the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She's a professor of mental health counseling who integrates faith, medicine, and psychology in her international and local work as an educator, psychiatrist, and author. Her other books include The Transforming Power of Story, How Telling Your Story Brings Hope to Others and Healing to Yourself. Dr. Ng is married, the mother of two grown children, and the owner of a beautiful Labrador retriever. Dr. Ng, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Danny. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in New York City, born and raised there, and lived in all the boroughs. <laughs> give us, for, for non-New Yorkers, give us the boroughs. Okay, well, there's Manhattan, which is the borough that everybody knows about. All the sites are there. Then there is Queens, which is where the two airports are located. There's the Bronx, where I attended medical school. And then there is Brooklyn and Staten Island. What was it like, Dr. Ng, growing up there in New York City? Well, as a child of Chinese immigrants... It was very interesting where I lived because there weren't any Chinese people there. It was, instead, it was a very diverse neighborhood. So I had friends of all different races and creeds. So I had a lot of fun as a child getting to know different kinds of people. And since I was quite a tomboy, I played a lot of sports with my brother, with all the neighborhood children. So I had a good growing up. What was your favorite sport? Well, I loved football. Hmm. softball, and just about anything you could do with a ball. Who influenced you most in your growing up years? During my growing up years, I would have to say it was my grandfather. He didn't speak a word of English, but he was quite an adventuresome pioneer. He would take me all over the place in New York, and I remember the times with him taking me to Chinatown, to Coney Island, and to shopping in all sorts of places. And even though he didn't speak a word of English, people just liked him, and they would greet him and called him Charlie, and he would just <laughs> shake, nod his head and smile, and he had no fear. He just kind of loved to be with people and be out and about, and I had the privilege of being the, the granddaughter that went everywhere with him. Are you uh, are you connected to your uh, 
Any of your relatives from China? Well, they are pretty much all over here now in New York. My mother and father emigrated many years ago, and they had four siblings. So they're all here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are still in China, we really don't know um, because my mother uh, was given up for adoption as a young child, and so we really have no connection with her biological family. How did you become a Christian? I was 16 years old in a very um, academic all-girls high school in Manhattan trying to search for the truth. I would read all sorts of philosophy books and pretty much try to find the meaning of life through education. But unfortunately, I couldn't find that there. And as I was searching, a high school friend of mine brought me to her church. And there in that church, I was exposed to first a beautiful cross that was standing in front of the altar and some Chinese characters, which I learned was John 3.16. And they translated it for me. And it said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And somehow that message rang true to me as the truth. And by witnessing the love of my friend and the other young people in that church, doing great things like visiting shut-ins in nursing homes and giving them newspapers and singing Christmas carols and just bringing love to them, I saw that love being acted out, and that attracted me to this Jesus that they were talking about, and that's how I came to faith. You went to Princeton. What made you choose to study there? Well, education was the the primary focus of my Chinese immigrant family. And doing well in school and getting to the best college was their dream for all the children. What made me study at Princeton was, um, well, I have to say, I was a tomboy. I went to an all-girls school. (laughs) And so I had some choices in college. And I said, well, you know, I haven't had too many guys in high school. Maybe I should try going to a school that had traditionally been an all-boys school. So that was interesting for me as a teenager. But I think that it was God's will that I went to Princeton. It had a very good pre-med program. It was an excellent education. And wasn't all that far from my New York home. Now, as you you have continued on, now you're years later, you're teaching at Nyack, Nyack College. And uh, how, how did you connect with the Christian Missionary Alliance, Nyack, and they're teaching at the school. Well, uh, the a church that I attended was pastored, at least the mother church was pastored by a Nyack graduate, and that would be the Alliance Theological Seminary. And he was a very um, godly man. In 1999, um, I met a Christian psychologist by the name of Dr. Craig Ellison, 
And he had a vision for teaching and educating Christians in the area of mental health counseling. He said that the churches really had a need for professionals to help them address some of the issues that were affecting their congregants, issues that were normally not part of a pastor's training. And because he was a psychologist, he felt that Christians needed a higher level of training so they could address these issues professionally. And so this vision of his uh, developed into a program, a master's in counseling at NIAC, which became the Alliance Graduate School of Counseling. And he had asked me to teach there when I first uh, published my first book on anxiety disorders. He felt that anxiety was a big problem um, and a common problem uh, among um, Christians um, that needed to be addressed. And so he asked me if I would teach. I did so as an adjunct professor. Yes. And then in 2012, I felt um, God's call to be a full-time professor um, at this stage of my life, trying to replicate and educate students to do what I'd been doing for 25 years. Dr. Ng, I, I want to talk about the book that I'm holding in my hands entitled No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. And we will do just that. But Dr. Ng, you know, I, I made a jump. I went from Princeton to Nyack. And uh, what happened in between? Were there, before Dr. Craig Ellison and, and the connection you had with him, what, what was life like? I know you have children. Um, what was life like between uh, Princeton and where you are today? Well, five days after my graduation from Princeton, I married my husband, uh, Cliff, and we'll be married 40 years next year. Mm. And life was very, very busy because shortly after that, I entered into medical school. Thankfully, Cliff is the kind of person that was very independent and yet supportive. He allowed me to spend those endless hours of studying and was content with that. In my years at Albert Einstein Medical School, my goal was to become an obstetrician-gynecologist. That is to deliver babies because that was a happy medicine. I'd be working with Mm -hmm. women. And in fact, I even had my first child in the last year of medical school, which is a great learning experience about delivering babies. Mm. And so Brian was born as my fourth year elective time. And then following graduation, I began training in OBGYN at Bellevue and NYU Hospital. And it was in the second year of that training program that I gave birth to my daughter, Genevieve. So as you can imagine, life was very, very busy and overly busy. I had two babies at home, and yet I had to be at the hospital every day. And every third night, I had to stay in the hospital on call. And the next day, I would have to continue throughout the day. And I wouldn't get home till very late, whereupon both my babies might even be sleeping. My husband and my mother did a great job of caring for them, but I was so sad and depressed and not being able to do what mothers should be doing in caring for children. 
I was so torn. Maybe when we come back, when we come back from our break, you can maybe give us a little glimpse of what that was like for you, how, how, how you indeed did cope through it. Obviously, you made it through, but it might uh, give a little bit of a word of encouragement to someone who may feel like their cup is overflowing with busyness today. And in light of that, there may be some anxieties that come along with just living life. And you've authored the book, No Worries. I'm speaking of Dr. Elaine Leong Ng. Dr. Ng wrote the book, No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. Wouldn't you like to know how to to get some ease, maybe some rest, maybe to recalibrate on the inside, to experience healing on the inside? Well, we've got just the right person in studio with us today, and Dr. Ng will share more with us, heart to heart, with you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wondering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me, I'll lead you home. What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here. Rebecca Manley Pippert wrote in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow, it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously, getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. Please enjoy. The book is entitled No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. It's written by our guest. Her name is uh, Dr. Elaine Ng. Uh, Harold Koenig, uh, um, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Duke University Medical Center, says, I believe that this updated version of Dr. Ng's classic book will be a source of comfort, hope, and knowledge to many including those who struggle with anxiety and those who wish to help. Uh, my friend, are you there? Yes. Have you experienced anxiety in your life? If you have, uh, continue listening on because we've got a special treat that will not only uh, give you information, but help you, help you in your life. Uh, Dr. Ng, you mentioned Brian, you mentioned Genevieve. 
What happened after Genevieve was born? Well, that um, that was a difficult part of my life because here she was a tiny baby, and I had to leave her every day for periods of time that was just too long. And I prayed to God somehow that He would give me the chance to be their mother. I didn't know how he was going to do it. Women who are physicians have such a merry-go-round of professional activities, and one cannot just say, stop, let me off, and be a mother. But the pain of the divided loyalties was just overwhelming. I wanted to be a conscientious physician, but I wanted more desperately to be a full-time wife and mother. God answered that prayer in a very unexpected way. In 1983, while I was teaching some of the younger interns and residents how to do deliveries and cesarean sections and so on, things that I could do, I found that I was missing and not seeing some of the things that they were doing. Thinking that I needed maybe stronger glasses, I went to an eye doctor. He examined me, did some tests, and then looked at me very sadly and said, Elaine, glasses will not help you. What you have is an inherited disease called retinitis pigmentosa. It is incurable and will lead to progressive blindness. And in fact, you have enough cuts in your vision that you, that you meet the New York State criteria for legal blindness. When I heard that diagnosis, I knew that that was God's answer to my prayer to be a full-time mother. He had prepared my heart to receive this news. Some people think of it as a tragedy, but I was thrilled. I wanted to say hallelujah in his office, but because I was so close to the Bellevue Psychiatric Ward, I decided not to do that. <laughs> so instead, I simply thanked Dr. Carr and went home. The next day, I called my program director and I told him that I needed to resign. I told him honestly what I had, my eye condition, and that I couldn't ethically practice in a surgical subspecialty anymore. And then from that point on, I had the most enjoyable years of my life, being a full-time mother and wife, just loving my children, nurturing them, feeding them, playing, singing, and just things that I would have missed had I continued on the path that I had been going. At what point with, the, with, the children, with your children, with Brian, with Genevieve, did you go completely completely blind? Yes, uh, I would say that the children were probably heading on into their teenage or preteen years. Um, I had pretty much lost everything in my left eye and had a tiny little tunnel in my right eye, and that pretty much disappeared um, by the time they reached uh, young adulthood. And how has the Lord helped you to cope, to cope with this? Well, when it first occurred, 
the miracle of being prepared for the diagnosis was one of the factors in coping. You see, Romans 8.28, which is my life verse, says, For we know that in all things God works for the good, for those who love him, and for those who are called according to his purpose. And I knew I loved God, and I knew I was called according to his purpose. So this so-called tragedy worked for my good, and my response to it was nothing but supernatural. You know, I don't expect people to respond in such a way because it's not normal. Mm -hmm. And yet it was a miracle in my life. You know, miracles do happen. I don't expect people to respond to tragedy in such an easy way. And certainly there were other hardships I experienced later where I responded normally. But one of the things I realized that our God is capable of doing the impossible, and that includes helping someone cope with something so difficult and so tragic. Someone today may be facing a very difficult news, news that will uh, turn the course of their life, and they're struggling with the reality of that. It's a new reality, and it's, it's hard, hard to wrap their hands around, hard to wrap their mind, their heart around it. What would you say to someone in that situation? I would say to them that it is okay and normal to have a heartbroken response to tragedy. And that is more likely to happen because we are people living in a very difficult world. And if that happens, first, turn to the Lord and ask him for direction. It may be that he may choose to have you meet people who can help you, supportive brothers and sisters in your church, supportive pastors and so on that can help you through this journey that you'll be taking. It might be that you may also require the help of professional counselors who will walk with you through this process until you have grieved it, understood it, and then walked, uh, processed it. It also may be that he may miraculously change your heart. I don't know, but I've seen the realm of possibilities with our God. And to remember that he's an awesome, loving, merciful, wise, and compassionate God. He will select the road that is best for you. Dr. Ng, you wrote... The book, No Worries. I love the title. It's uh, concise, to the point. It sort of has, a, you know, just a common vernacular. Hey, take it easy, you know, no worries. Uh, but you talk about spiritual health, and uh, spiritual and mental health counseling for anxiety. Why did you write the book? Okay. So No Worries is very easy to say. Yes. But it doesn't really express what happens to people. We are people that tend to worry. And some of us have lots of things that we should be worried about. And being a broken person in a broken world, worries come our way. So when the Bible talks about 
worry. It is understood that we have worries, and Jesus is saying, "Don't worry. There is no need to worry. I will help you." But he's saying it in a compassionate way to to us, saying that I know you worry. So let me let me tell you how to cope with it. My favorite passage in the Bible. In helping people with worry, comes from Philippians chapter four, verses six to nine. And here it says, "Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." So I told you before that when I Finish my、uh, time taking care of my children, or actually when they started school, I went back into training in the field of psychiatry, as God directed me to do so. And in my work as a psychiatrist, I learned about a form of psychotherapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. And this therapy was proven by research to be effective in the treatment of anxiety. When I Learned about it, I said, "Wait, the principles of this therapy are all expressed in Philippians chapter four, six to nine, and it's so confirming that our Maker, our Lord, wrote about this so-called proven effective therapy so much earlier than it was even described in the psychiatric literature." And you expound on that throughout your book. Doctor Ng, when we come back, let's let's delve in a little bit deeper.、Uh, I'd love to hear you extrapolate further on、uh, what this means, what this would mean practically to someone today. I think there's a there's a grace that you have in being able to to communicate The, the complexities of the mind, the heart, the spirit, the emotions, in a way of、uh, understanding, I would think, maybe, in large measure, because what you yourself have experienced, it, it, it comes out of your life in a way.、Uh, it's 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 incarnate. You personify, personify that. What you're teaching, as we come back, when we come back. Let's go further.、Uh, someone will need to hear, and will need to be healed by some things that you share. More with Dr. Elaine Ng when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me. I lead you on. James three thirteen says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom." The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A One A Electrician. Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. 
If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. Please enjoy. So you're listening to the Good Life Radio Show. I'm Danny Yamashiro. I'm here with Dr. Elaine Ng. She's the author of the book No Worries. No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. You can find out more about Dr. Ng and her book No Worries at HealthyLifePress.com. That's HealthyLifePress.com. Dr. Ng, panic. Uh, you write about it in uh, your book. You also have it uh, described as the oppressor. T- t- talk to us about that. Okay. Well, panic disorder is a condition where people have panic attacks. And what happens is suddenly, for no reason at all, they have symptoms of intense fear, heart palpitations, sweating, a feeling like they're going to die, choking sensations, all sorts of things that accompany this panicky feeling. And they have multiple episodes of this. And in between, they live in fear of having more panic attacks. The reason why I called it an oppressor is that for those Christians who have this disorder but don't realize that it is a mental health condition, they think of it as either a medical illness such as a heart attack or some of them feel like oh my goodness I've gone to the doctor he says I'm healthy I don't have any physical problems it must be some oppressive element from the devil or something because it feels like either a, a medical illness a catastrophic one or an intense form of oppression but what it really is is an anxiety disorder and a fairly common one. Common in the sense that you know, it, m- many people have it? Yeah, a significant percentage of the population develop panic disorder, but they don't know what it is. So how do you, how do you develop that? Oftentimes, it's something that can occur in more than one family member. So there probably is a genetic and a biologic origin for panic disorder. Now, mind you, there are other things that can imitate panic attacks. For example, side effects of certain medications can produce intense anxiety and or panic attacks. There are some medical conditions, such as an overactive thyroid gland that can produce 
symptoms that imitate panic disorder, some cardiac arrhythmias, and so on. But panic disorder in and of itself is a common anxiety disorder that is described in psychiatric manuals. So how can people help? How can one get help? Well, first, the most important thing is to go to your family physician first and say, I have these symptoms. He will, he or she will do a complete medical evaluation with blood tests to make sure you don't have any of the other things that can cause panic attack. And if he or she says, listen, this is a mental health disorder, he should make a referral to a counselor, a psychiatrist, or a mental health clinic that has expertise in the treatment of panic disorder. And then you should follow up. What have you seen, Dr. And what have you seen in the, in the healing process uh, for, for, for patients? In the work that I do using cognitive behavioral therapy, I teach these people to monitor the thoughts that trigger panic attack. Oftentimes people don't realize that they have this kind of what-if thinking, this thinking of the worst-case scenario. And it's these what-if thoughts that sometimes precede the onset of the panic symptoms. And by monitoring these what-if thoughts, and these what-if thoughts are often unrealistic, catastrophic, and yet they produce anxiety. Mm. Once they recognize that the, they have these automatic thoughts, then I teach them ways to stop them, to restructure them, to correct them to that which is more realistic, to that which is more true. How? What are ways to uh, restructure, to be more realistic, or to stop them? Well, in my sessions... They have this, they identified the what if thought, such as, well, what if I'm going to die? Or what if this headache is really a brain tumor? And I would question them with things such as, well, how old are you? What does your doctor say? So you're a young 30 year old, and your doctor says that all your exams have been normal, that you don't have any evidence of a brain tumor. How likely is it? that you have a brain tumor. You're healthy. You don't have any other symptoms. After a while, they say, well, it's probably not likely at all. I just feel like it is. And I say to them, well, you know, part of the misbelief in believing that you have a brain tumor is what's driving the panic and anxiety. And if you catch yourself with this automatic thought and you correct it to what is true to try to nip it in the bud before it takes hold you can influence your mood because in cognitive behavioral therapy the idea is your beliefs or your misbeliefs can result in a certain mood and if you believe in what's true your mood would be fine but if you believe in what is not true the anxiety-provoking thought, 
then your mood will become anxious. And that's what fuels the panic attacks. When it comes to depression, you write about it as an illness, not a weakness. Why do you describe it that way? Well, first of all, depression and illness, not a weakness, is the slogan for the American Psychiatric Association. Mm. And to most of the world, before they understand what clinical depression is, they have some myths about it. For example, oh, depression, they must have a character flaw or a weakness. That's a myth. And then in Christian circles, sometimes we hear the idea, well, if you had strong enough faith, you wouldn't be depressed. That is absolutely not true. Clinical depression is an illness, much like diabetes, pneumonia, you know, anything else that you see the doctor for. Depression is an illness that needs to be treated like these other things. The person doesn't need to feel further stigmatized by being told that he has a character flaw or a problem in faith. What he or she needs is good professional treatment. And what would some of that treatment, Dr. Ng, what would some of that entail? Well, first of all, it entails recognizing and diagnosing depression. Because people use that word loosely in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And you have a bad hair day, you can say, I'm depressed, but that's not clinical depression. And the signs of a clinical depression are the following. One is insomnia. People have trouble sleeping. Oftentimes people have trouble not so much going to sleep, but they wake up multiple times in the middle of the night or waking up too early. Sometimes people with clinical depression oversleep and they sleep nearly all day. The second symptom is a change in appetite. People with depression may describe an inability to eat, no appetite, and may, may lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. You mentioned these, uh, these symptoms, insomnia or oversleeping. There's, there's more, right? Yes, there's uh, seven more to okay, go through. Okay, well, if you've heard the first two, there's seven more to go. We need to get there, and we will. We will when we come back with Dr. Elaine Ng. She's the author of the book, No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. She's a professor at Nyack College, there at the Alliance Seminary. And she's here in studio with us today. What a blessing indeed to have her, her, uh, she who hails from New York City, is here in studio with us, sharing heart to heart. Oh, how blessed we are. How blessed you are, my friend. Are you having anxiety? Have you experienced depression? Well, the Lord brings her today to help speak to us about these things. Stay with us now. We'll be back with more. Wandering the road of desperate life Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. 
The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, you will receive a letter updating you on some of the -the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. Please enjoy. Welcome back to our show. You're listening to The Good Life Hawaii Radio Show. I'm Danny Yamashiro with Dr. Elaine Ng, the author of the book, No Worries, Spiritual and Mental Health Counseling for Anxiety. Hey, the reason we have The Good Life Radio Show is really, you know, our heart is to bring you closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, for you to know that if you're experiencing anxiety, if you're experiencing depression, or maybe you're at the top of your game in your life right now, You're experiencing success unlike any other time or somewhere in between that wherever you are in life, we want you to know that God loves you, that God knows you. And if you're facing a a great trial, you feel as though your back is against the wall, there is always hope in Christ. He who loves you so much, he died on the cross for your sins. He shed his precious blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried And three days later, he rose again from the grave. And the living Christ today calls you to himself. And as he does, he even sends one Dr. Elaine Ng in studio to speak heart to heart with you. She's experienced the love of Jesus as I have and as we hope you have. And if you haven't, would you, my friend, come today and open your heart to Jesus Christ. Dr. Ng, we've got seven more symptoms to talk about that you need to share with us, please, about uh, depression. Okay. Well, I shared insomnia and poor appetite. The next thing is people have poor concentration. They just can't think or make decisions. The next symptom is excessive tiredness. It's so profound that they feel like they're ill, excessive fatigue. They have negative thinking. Their thoughts are pessimistic. They have a great sense of guilt over things they shouldn't feel guilty about, what we call false guilt. Sometimes their bodies may feel very slowed down, or they may be very, very agitated. Other people feel as if they wish they were dead. They They may feel like they have no more hope in life, and some of them become actively suicidal. So with all these symptoms, all you need is five of them. You don't need all nine of them. If you have 
a significant amount of these symptoms for a two-week period or more, go to your doctor. Think that this might be clinical depression. Get help. There is good help for this. How do these symptoms come about? Again, there may be situations where people experience something that puts them into depression, such as a loss of a loved one, a, a, something traumatic in their lives. But clinical depression can also occur spontaneously without any trigger. And so there is probably a biological and genetic component to some of them. It tends to run in families and also tends to run in families where alcoholism can occur. What's the connection with alcoholism? Well, some people get addicted to alcohol originally because they're trying to treat a clinical depression. But because it was unrecognized, they use alcohol and perhaps other drugs to medicate their symptoms. And before you know it, they're into that cycle of more drinking just to push aside all those depressive symptoms. A form of medicating the pain, the emotional pain. Correct. Psychological pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are ways, you say when you go see a professional, what are some things that a professional may may do or say uh, in the process? Some professionals may say, let's work and do what's called talk therapy about the trigger or the problem that sent you into this clinical depression. Oftentimes, that helps quite a bit, but let's say the depression doesn't completely go away or maybe it gets even worse. Then a referral to a medical doctor, like a psychiatrist or a physician that is expert in treating depression would be necessary for medications and antidepressants that further help with the biological symptoms of depression. As you've written the book, you've been able to put the content of the things that you have shared and so much more in something that's transferable, something that uh, in, in book form where it can be it could be massaged it can be percolated into someone's understanding you also have something that you're very passionate about in your teaching and it has something to do with uh, with missions what is that Dr. Ng? well God has given me a call to help missionaries who are at the frontline work of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that you so wonderfully outlined. And I feel that my part in that kingdom role, that work, is to help with the difficulties that missionaries face as they transition into their field, to new cultures, to very difficult and oftentimes dangerous situations for themselves and their families. So I volunteer with the Christian Medical and Dental Association to go abroad and work with missionaries between the continents of Asia and Africa since the year 2001. Each year I would go and go along with a large faculty of Christian doctors to provide medical updates 
for these medical missionaries that serve abroad and spiritual refreshment. I'm part of a very large team in this organization. And I can see that because of my background in psychiatry and as a physician and in teaching, that God has allowed me to teach, to counsel, and to be part of this work in sharing the gospel abroad, kind of holding up the arms Mm -hmm. of the missionaries Mm -hmm. who share the gospel. And they're such wonderful, dedicated people, medical missionaries that could have done very well staying at home, but choose to lead a difficult lifestyle with themselves and their families to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who haven't heard. In your interactions with them, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a wellspring of passion for them. Why would someone do that? They go and get their, uh, their medical degree, their training, uh, invest all that, those, that, those financial resources. Someone might ask, Dr. Ng, why would somebody go and be a medical missionary? I believe because God has called them to do so. Mm. The people that I see that have gone and the people who are now prepared to go are people who have been called by God in one way or another that they are to dedicate their training and their lives and their investment in that profession to not only heal the sick abroad physically, but to share the message of Jesus Christ to address the spiritual needs faced by those who do not know Jesus. And that call is higher than any other call that they have had. And it takes the voice of God to to prompt someone to do this. They do it such sacrifice. And yet, for them, it doesn't feel like sacrifice. They're doing just what they've been told by the Master to do, and they do it wholeheartedly. That's not to say it's easy, and I've seen some of the issues that come up on the field, and I've learned so much being with them. such a privilege. What would be one of the issues, one of the common issues that you've uh, come across? Well, transitions is a big word. You know, when you transition, when you go abroad, things are not the same. You're, the language is different. The culture is different. The sense of loneliness, loneliness mm. can occur. Um, separation from loved ones, um, element of danger. Depending on the field that they go to, the transition can be great. And, of course, the things that assail people when they are exposed to difficulties are the same things that we experience here at home. Anxiety, depression, conflicts, and so on. And then you add to that the medical illnesses that can affect them when they're in areas such as developing countries where there's infectious disease and poor health care. All those things just add up. They must look to you and the others who come with you uh, like a like like a, a, a breath of fresh air, a, a glass of ice cold water, refreshing them when you come. Uh, what is something that you would tell a medical missionary as a way of encouraging him or her? Well, our spiritual refreshment part of the Christian Medical and Dental Association is what's delightful, the breath of fresh air for them. And so we bring speakers that will speak to their heart 
about spiritual things. I have the interesting um, approach um, to them in that I have a weakness and a handicap. I'm a blind person, mm. kind of stumbling into Thailand and to mm. Kenya and to uh, Greece to work with them. Because many of these missionaries don't ask for counseling or for help. They're, they're just so actively serving God. But as I come in with my own handicap and struggles, I think I'm seen as someone that's not, that that is had some hardships of her own and that someone that's kind of easy to talk to because I pretty much do my counseling kind of walking with them arm in arm and it looks like they're guiding me. I'm, I'm not really <laughs> looking like I'm a counselor or anything. And so we have chats along the road and, and we, we just share about the struggles that, that we have and they ask, they tell me their stories and I tell them mine and we, between the two of us, we have a, a, a real conversation about issues that have come up and how God intercedes and what role God has in our, in our lives. And so it becomes very natural. And I can see you walking arm in arm and conversing heart to heart and connecting in a way that is bringing them ease, that is bringing them refreshment and hope. And Dr. Elaine Ng, you have done that with us today. And for that, I thank you. You're welcome. Uplifting words from Dr. Eileen Ng. My friend, God's timing is perfect. And there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, I believe this may be a perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ Go to drdanny.live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major platforms. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Eileen Ng. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora. Creative Director Brian Torres, Social Media Director Luke Yamashiro, and Guest Coordinator Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.